This is Coda Radio, episode 521 for June 6, 2023. friend and welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the whole world of technology. My name is Chris and joining us every single week with his ski goggles, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. That's right. I'm swishing down the slopes as we speak. <laughs> yeah, at least virtually, right? You dialed that immersion level up and now you're on the, the ski slopes to do the show. It's a yeah, good you idea. dial that immersion level up, and then you stub your toe and break it. You know, let's not <laughs> let's not go too hard, too fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. We 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 should mention that before the show, I, I was a little delayed mm. uh, by one Vladimir Lenin. I found this great app, and they don't pay us because why would anybody pay us? Apparently, you should buy ads. Yeah, guys, got it. Apple ads. It's called Hello History, and you can talk to a wide range of historical figures, though not some of the more spicy ones. But one of them is Vladimir Lenin, and we have a plan to make automation work for the people. <laughs> uh, if you're not in our Element chat room, this is a great advertisement for it because I screen capped the conversation, and uh, it was great. I also did ask Marilyn Monroe for sex advice, and I got a very funny response of, oh, honey, you're too young for that, which is weird because I'm a dad. Hmm. But I guess she's just a modest gal. And I just want to say, you know, men with ex-wives know your Yelp reviews may not, you know, let's just leave that there. <laughs> yeah, your glass, your glass floor or what is it? Uh, is it glass? The floor? glass door. Yeah, right, glass your door. glass door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, before we get into what is undoubtedly going to be a WWDC focused episode, can I have a little Schadenfreude burger? Um, because totally called this. And uh, yesterday and the day before, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, is suing Coinbase and Binance, two of the absolute largest crypto casinos in the world. And in the suit is specifically saying all of those little crap coins that I've been ranting and, and, and complaining about, all the Web3 tokens are securities. And uh, it's right there, all in the complaint. And the SEC is going after these casinos now. And I think if they're successful, and they should be, Shut be the right down. It's all the security. It's clearly a security. They all pass the Howey test, which they don't want to pass. And once they go after the casinos, they're probably going to go after the DGENs that made the coins themselves. It uh, it, it's funny. You you get a burger. My eighty year old dad gets a burger here too. He predicted this when Bitcoin. Now, granted, Bitcoin is legit ish. And and also not included in this because it is not a security, not a security. Right? There's like no, you, there's no CEO of Bitcoin that's going to get sued, right? <laughs> correct. Right. There's no, there's no officer of the corporation that you can go after, really. Uh, so my dad, an 80 year old accountant who remembers the green graph paper that some of our older listeners might have used in you know, like bookkeeping school, is like there's no way the government's going to let you accrue value on an asset without being able to tax it properly or track it. And uh, yeah, yep. They're always going to get their cut. They always yeah. will. The governor is always ready and willing to take a take a cut. And I'll, you know, I'm a, I'm I don't deny it. The blockchain makes every Bitcoin transaction absolutely public, and the IRS it's, has experts. It's an auditor's wet dream. Yes, exactly, exactly. So uh, you got to pay your capital gains tax if you sell your Bitcoin. <laughs> that's the thing. And you know, that's a choice I've made as a business owner. Is I will 
I will sit on those sats for a while and then at some point sell some of them and I'll take a capital gains on that. But that's doing business, right? You can also use them as collateral and not necessarily sell them. But now would not be the time to do that. I would say it's not even a business owner thing. It's a more avoiding federal prison thing. <laughs> well, yeah. I just mean as somebody who receives booths. <laughs> yes. I just I accept you got to pay. If you're going to cash them out, you got to pay the tax. You got to pay. Yeah. But not until you cash them out. Right. So, so. you can move them around. You can transfer them. Uh, also, if you buy them and then and then like almost immediately sell them, like say on something like the cash app or the strike app. I think that also isn't included in capital gains because the transaction at the time is so close to like when you did it, that the gain in value is probably so minimal, you know, those kinds of things. I'm not a tax lawyer, obviously. Right. We're not lawyers. I'm just curious though, if you bought something with sats, but didn't convert it to USD. I'm not sure because I think then the capital gains tax would be on the merchant that made the sale and accepted the sats. So I think the capital gains tax would be on the merchant. Mm. See, it's all just very complicated. But maybe I'm right. I have no idea. I would like to know. Yeah, because uh, I may end up buying a headset with Sats. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, we are banking feedback right now and boost starting with this episode because we're, if all things go to plan, recording a double next week on Monday the 12th because I'll be traveling or somewhere around there. <laughs> uh, so we need your feedback. So we need to bank it. So please do go to coder.show slash contact. And I also want to remind everybody, this is an important one. Linux Fest Northwest has extended their submissions uh, to June 25th, which isn't very far out, really, when you think about it. You don't have to have a whole thing figured out, kind of a minimum viable idea for a session you could give and send it in. We'll have a link in the show notes. It's going to be one of the best fests in the country. It is one of the best fests in the country, if not the best. And uh, we have a lot planned, so we'd love to see you there. And uh, I think maybe if we had a good, solid showing from the Jupiter Broadcasting audience, we'd probably see some of the best talks and sessions that Linux Fest has ever seen. So if you've been thinking about if there's something you're passionate about, you want to inform and educate others, I'll put a link in the show notes. It'd be great to see you there. Linode.com slash coder. They have some exciting news. So go check it out and get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account. Linode is now part of Akamai. All the developer-friendly tools, including the cloud manager, that great API, and that excellent command line tool, all the stuff that I talk about all the time that makes it easy and straightforward to deploy and scale. They're all there, but they're just getting an upgrade. They're combined now with Akamai's power and global reach. And Akamai is expanding their services to offer more cloud computing resources and tooling while still giving you that reliable and affordable and scalable solution for an individual or a business of any size. And I have scaled up systems over at Linode to meet audience demand, everything that's audience facing hosted on Linode. And as part of Akamai's global network of offerings, they're expanding their data centers. They're going to give you more access to it, more resources. They're going to help you grow your business, your customer base, or just have a fantastic site. So don't wait. Go experience the power of Linode, now Akamai. Go to linode.com slash coder. And just go learn how Linode, now Akamai, can help scale your applications from the cloud to the edge. We wouldn't run our backend anywhere else. I think you're going to be impressed. Linode.com slash Coder. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is WWDC 2023 week. It was on June 5th. We'll have a link to the entire thing in the uh, YouTubes if you haven't seen it for some reason. And uh, let's start with all the news around Swift UI, Mr. Dominic. 
Yeah, I was. Uh, so we, we should be fair, though, right? The sessions are still happening all week. But I was, um, you know, I, I viscerally hate Swift, of course, because it's bad compared to Objective-C. I stand by that statement. But I was expecting something in the keynote, like some little, just like a little num-num, a little, a little scrap of like the burnt end of daddy's hamburger thrown to the children for Swift UI because I actually really like Swift UI. Not only did we not get that, we got basically no developer information in the keynote, which... And I even I even watched most of the State of the Union, and there was really nothing you were looking for in there. Yeah, yeah, there's, there are sessions. So as, as Giga... Giga... Gigatexel? I'm going to go with Gigatexel. There is Swift... You, uh, I'm sorry, Swift C++ Interop. Uh, there is a session about that on... Wednesday, I think. Yep, I think they're tomorrow as we record. Yep, so that's that's interesting. Um, that will make a lot of things easier, especially for people working in things like Unreal. Mm-hmm. But I'm double-checking these session notes, and I don't see anything that like screams major Swift UI advancements. And I, I don't know... You know, Swift UI is great, but a lot of folks are still dropping down to UI kit and with good reason because it's tough to customize things. Well, I would I would say this. We are right smack dab between the keynote and the sessions. So maybe if somebody's listening to this, if they see something in this regard that isn't getting much attention, they could give us a heads up. We could do a deep dive or dig into it. I don't even mind if there's like a couple of if there's a moment in a, in a talk that somebody thinks we could play a quick clip of like a minute or something. Send it to me and tell me the time code. I'll go do the clipping. I don't mind that. Because, yeah, I, I, it's, there's a lot to parse, and I don't know how much, how much is actually like interesting or not from you know, uh, our audience standpoint. What I found stra- strange is uh, there's a session, Meet UI Kit for Spatial Computing, yeah. that, as we're recording, happened two hours ago or three hours ago. Mm-hmm. I just caught the very beginning of it before I came down to record. That's super weird because I would have thought that all the spatial computing, the vision OS stuff or whatever, would have used the newer UI paradigm, not UI kit. Well, I think it's both, right? For compatibility. They just want apps. Uh, that means, see, that's, you know, SwiftUI is not brandy new. It's been around for a while. I don't know. This is a dumb point to, to harp on, but I really did expect and was hoping for more you know, basically maturity in SwiftUI that it could be more easily customized, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. Um, Well, we'll keep our eyes out. All right, so before we get to the big news, we saw the Mac Pro. The rumors were wrong. Gurman got this one wrong. A lot of the rumors were saying no Mac Pro. Uh, It starts at $7,000. It has an M2 Max, can go up to an M2 Ultra. And it completes the transition to silicon. You know who else said no Mac Pro? Hmm. My wife. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, well, um, let, let's just get right into it. This is the first thing I'm disappointed with. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like this is a machine that's going to kill the Mac Pro product line. Um, it's so silly. It's, it is $3,000 more than the exact spec Mac Studio. And all you get, the only difference is a couple of more Thunderbolt ports and some PCI slots that you can hardly do anything with. Now, if you're doing a lot of 8K video capture, like you're, you know, 
Marquez Brownlee or your Linus Tech Tips. Okay, yep, there's a use case. Um, if you want to put maybe some more PCI USB, it has a couple, and I, I mean a couple SATA ports. The Mac Studio doesn't have that. But you eliminate those things if you don't need a lot of PCI cards because you can't put a better GPU in it. So like the main thing you would want, you can't put in this thing. And you can, I, you can get an identical chip with identical storage and identical system re- memory. And it's $3,000 le- less in the Mac Studio. Uh, and, and the Pro just gives you PCI slots, which the reality is the Pro market, because there has been no Mac Pro until this point, the Pro market hasn't even bothered porting drivers for their PCI cards over. There's no accessories except for external accessories for the M series in the pro market. I can attest to this. I have gear that just says, yeah, right. It's not even on their radar. And now we see this and it's a completely uncompelling machine. And I don't think it's going to sell very many units. I think Apple's just decided this is the going to be the year of low sales and it's probably going to kill the product line. And rumor mill has it. There are forces inside of Apple that want to kill this product. And I think this is the result of the collaboration of a bunch of people in a room. The SOC is like in the, in the top right corner. It takes up as much room as it does in the Mac studio. The rest of the main board is just blank and there for PCI slots. There are, if you don't load this thing up with PCI slots, there are a series of fans that are just blowing across nothing because the SOC and everything's up in the top quarter. It only needs one fan. The other, there's nothing there. It's just an empty chassis for seven grand. All right. On the flip side, though, I agree with everything you said. But on the flip side, I think the Mac Studio is probably the best thing they announced that it's stepped up. Big time. That is the flip side. Is that's a, I think it's the biggest deal. It's the biggest takeaway for me, right, is the Mac Studio got a regular bump. Starting at two grand, that's the right price. Yeah. That's, I mean, my, you know what? I, if I didn't just spend $5,000 on a MacBook Pro, I'd say grinding my teeth, I would totally be in the market for a Mac Studio. Yeah. This, I think, is the pro and enthusiast desktop right here. If they bump it a third time regularly, and, you know, if I just, I'm looking for a little bit of more signal because we've seen the iMac Pro get butchered. This new Mac Pro is a flop. But the Mac Studio looks like a winner and a regular M2 bump like this. If we get a good regular cadence that people can wrap their head around and you can start planning for how long these things last and you can start wrapping your head around. What do I get when I if I buy a unit a year later? Right. Because like with the mini, it would go, what, five years in between updates? It was Yeah, the gaps were crazy, crazy, crazy. So this is I agree as far as like developer workstations go this is some of the best news coming out of apple great sign could we see regular bumps could this actually be a thing that happens could almost be too good to believe it and you can get the big old powerful chip in there too yeah i i think this i think they are going to keep this line i mean they might have you know other skews of it other uh maybe a body change in a year or two but this is honestly this is what the cheaper mac pros from circa let's say 2013 used to be and what the newer ones should have been like a model that i mean you can configure this thing you can start at two grand but you can go all the way up to i'm insane and i love you know lots of memory and blah 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 it is a great machine i guess what if to to make the mac pro worth three thousand dollars more 
it would need to have, in my opinion, modular RAM, modular CPU, and more modular storage. I don't really understand the modular storage situation because I only see two SATA ports. And I bet Apple doesn't let you just replace their proprietary NVMEs. So, <laughs> like, and you can't, like, upgrade the CPUs later. Like, these were all the things you could do. A Mac Pro, you could replace the GPU in two years. You could replace the disk. You could even replace the CPU and the RAM. I know it sounds crazy, but you could do it. And now the Mac Pro, it's all soldered on. What's pro about it? It's just, it's silly where the studio is just such a clear winner. And also, I think a 15-inch Air makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm, I'm less enthused, but I understand there's people who would like that. It, it, it seems like it's just such a weird form factor to me. I don't know. A, a, a big screen that's on a super light, thin machine? Mm. I don't know. Um, all right, but let's let's move on. Mac OS, um, this Mac OS Sonoma update or whatever it is. Uh, wow, what a snooze. In fact, iOS, a snooze too. Could I care any less about widgets? <laughs> widgets. I cannot believe they're trying to pretend widgets are a big deal or new, and I can't believe the widgets got that much attention. Every Android user, every Plasma desktop user, they're all laughing at Apple. And remember when Apple introduced the dashboard with interactive frickin' widgets a decade ago? I didn't care then either. Just so sick of it. And what a web apps on the Mac through Safari. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. The most interesting thing in Mac OS, they didn't even mention it on stage. It's, it's so typical of Apple. Clearly, the people at Apple don't know what Mac OS users want, at least the people watching the WWDC keynote. They have announced game mode in Mac OS. But along with that, yeah. along with game mode, now this is the bigger deal. They have essentially created their own Proton layer. They have added DirectX, DirectX 12 support to Mac OS Apple Silicon using this game porting toolkit that they've created. They've basically engineered a 20,000 line patch to wine that makes it possible to play AAA Windows games on macOS using Rosetta and this DirectX 12 translator to metal. But because Apple is Apple and they refuse, I think you'll love this part, they refuse to touch the GPL too. <laughs> and the one, of course, the wine project is GPL. Apple instead patched a homebrew formula, which is open source, but they created their own open source license and did all the patchwork there to avoid sending the code upstream. <laughs> so, so they created like basically this thing that Valve's been working on for a while, but they created a shim of it. And in the WWDC sessions for game porting, they talk about how you can just take a Windows game, drop it and start playing it in a, like a debug session immediately without any porting. And then you can start figuring out what needs to be done a little bit on the back end and then ship it. And they'll do the Rosetta translation. They'll do the DirectX 12 translation. And, you know, I mean, it's going to depend on the GPU and the system, but it's like actual and that combined with Mac OS game mode now, which tightens up the Bluetooth latency and changes profiles around performance and all that kind of stuff. But those things combined with this game porting kit and game mode in macOS seem like a genuine effort to at least make macOS somewhat doable for developers that want to port their game over there. So, okay. When you say this is like a Proton, do you think we're going to have the equivalent of a like a Lutris front end to it? Like, am I going to have an app that I can just now 
viciously go into Steam and pop up on Windows game? I don't think so. I think only the games that ship through the Apple App Store will be able to take advantage of it or something. I don't know. Maybe. Because it's it's that I don't know if it'll do it for just all games or if it only does the DirectX translation when you're in the development environment and you're porting the game. I'm, it's, it wasn't clear to me in the session if you could just ship any old game on macOS as an executable, double click it, and then macOS will just start doing the DirectX 12 and, uh, to, to metal translation. I don't know if that's the case. If that was the case, then Steam would work. But I suspect you're going to have to use this game port, this game porting toolkit, then publish it through the App Store. Well, that's a lot, a lot less exciting, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it does indicate a sincere effort inside Apple to improve the gaming situation. Of course, they don't seem to be investing in Vulcan at all, which would make this a lot simpler. They just double down on metal. <laughs> Of course. Well, it's also kind of. See, I, I'm reading Christina Warren's. Uh, what do we call them? Mastodons? Not tweets, but uh, toots. Yeah, or they did. She seems to think that this will lead to like a Lutris like tool. And I know I should be saying Proton, not Lutris, but you get where I'm going with this, right? Because really, your average user needs like a. wants like some sort of launcher. Yeah, something on top of it that just runs the game right. in that environment. I don't. I don't get why Apple would actually be opposed to that. I mean, they have stupidly performance, uh, performant chips. Yeah, they shouldn't be, right? They should want games through the App Store or over the web, regardless. so thirsty for their 30%. I mean... Mm. Mm. We'll see. Wait I mean, it's, 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 it didn't even get a mention on, on in the keynote, so it's... I don't know. It's odd. I, I find this to be one of those weird situations where the hardware capabilities are so hampered by just the business model tax. Yeah. And it's it's such the case with Apple all the time that, the, you know, if, if like the, the literally the insane MacBook Pro I'm talking on right now could run Diablo 4, let's say, it would probably be gorgeous, even if it had to use some shim layer like a, like a Proton, right? Or like whatever this Apple homebrew thing is. And I th- I'm pretty sure this homebrew thing is just a homebrew formula. So I'm looking at the repo... And these are just like Ruby homebrew scripts. There's no actual code. I think it like patches it on the fly or something. Like it downloads it and patches it through. I don't know. I, I haven't dug into that, obviously. But yeah. Oh, it literally patches wine. Wait. Yeah, right. I'm looking at the code. Wine config options, prefig, disable. What? Yeah. So they're essentially, what? they're avoiding upstreaming the code to wine because it's GPL. This is because they didn't want to just patch wine. Yeah. And they, re- they released this under their own open source license. Copyright to the Code Weavers. Do you have to have the proprietary Code Weavers product? Code Weavers is just the largest contributor to Wine. Oh my God, there's some Objective C. This is now, and now I'm getting a little turned <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, Apple. <laughs> L- live reading code that's so big that GitHub won't open it except in the raw, non. This is just like a normal. This is like what you would see on a Proton patch. Like this. It, it's. It's interesting what Apple can task themselves to do. I mean, this this is something that the Linux community does all the time. Would have loved to have had for themselves a decade ago, right? And it took Valve years ago coming along. And Proton is much more comprehensive, no doubt about it. You know, it's just interesting how Apple can bang out something like this that would have been a, would have been a quote unquote game changer for the Linux community if somebody in our community could have banged something like that out a while ago. <laughs> Uh, right. Well, hang on. So I'm looking at this code here. Class game porting toolkit compiler subclassing formula, which is a homebrew formula. 
la 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 code weavers yes we love code weavers <laughs> okay so it's pulling down a tar it's pulling down and extracting a tarball which is not a phrase i get to say a lot it's building x86 64 clank oh they're doing a lot of bullshit here <laughs> yeah I'm, looking, I'm trying to pull it up oh there it goes I was, I was trying to pull it up over here but it's taking a second to load i think a lot of people are looking at this they're sim linking clang to gcc because and I, I love the guy's comment sometimes wine tries to build with gcc so literally they wrote a they wrote a, a convenience script to modify wine for mac because they didn't want to actually patch wine now you gotta wonder could they maybe could the wine folks now take this and upstream it maybe uh no the license is weird okay Wait. okay copying.txt which because they can't say license because god god forbid yeah oh now it's gnu Oh, the LGPL. Okay. Okay. It's okay. That's why. And I think wine is the proper GPL. Yes, I believe so. That so, yeah, Apple. Remember, that's why we don't have Bash anymore. <laughs> right? We have Z Shell. <laughs> uh, All right, but this is you know, I'm gonna hold out some hope because there is going to be some young, wonderful man in Romania who's going to make me my launcher, right? Right? I think it's probably it's it seems all doable. It's the it's the it's the first wow. gleam of hope for the Mac gaming platform. It's doable until you get into the anti-cheat DRM stuff, and then things get get wonky. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that is true. Yes, yeah, that's a problem with Proton. It's only yeah, you know, yeah, you know, only a only really a problem then that the developers can solve. I just want to play Diablo Four on Mac. Okay, <laughs> just let me have it. I want this. All right. Okay. So fine. Um, I believe you owe me a stake because I officially have I do won the bet. The Vision Pro is real. They're calling it an AR headset. Well, they're calling it spatial computing, really. It uses your eyes, your hands, and your voice to control it. it uses subtle gestures combined with eye tracking. You look at the search box, you start speaking. It just inputs the type, that kind of thing. One of their ex-designers tweeted the following. One of the coolest results involved in predicting a user was going to click on something before they actually did. That was a ton of work. They say, your pupil reacts before you click in part because you expect something will happen after you click. So you can create biofeedback with a user's brain by monitoring their eye behavior and then redesigning the UI in real time to create a more of this anticipatory pupil response. It's a crude brain-computer interface via the eyes, but it's very cool it gives you a hint of how some of the ui works is it's constantly micro tracking the response of your eyes and then also monitoring your hands and combining those two to create a new way to interact with the ui um it has an m2 soc as well as the r1 chip for real-time processing that keeps the leg down apple says they get everything processed all the video signals Everything in, on the screen in under 12 milliseconds, which they say will prevent uh, motion sickness. It has a new OS called Vision OS with an internal real-time execution engine. It uses optic ID to unlock. It scans your retina. And um, it will be $3,500 when it ships early next year. Mm, pinkies up, my friends. Pinkies up. 35 and the Quest 3 was just announced for around $500 the day before. Yeah, okay, but you know what? I have a hot take. All right, what's your hot take? 
All right. So this, I'm, I'm going to buy one. Really? This solves a huge problem for me. Really? I have every single morning. Okay. When I wake up, it's 2023. I'm very unhappy with that. Yeah. Because when I go to sleep in my dreams, it's 1963. I'm on a Pan Am flight. I have a martini. Let's just say the stewardesses are wonderful. You're dressed nice. Everybody's dressed spiffy because they're on a flight. We're smoking and none of us are getting cancer. <laughs> right. Because it's healthy. No one questions your fifth or sixth martini. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, no, because they're on their third or fourth anyway, so... <laughs> exactly. It, it, uh, the Pan Am girls, don't mind if you call... I mean, it's really... It, if you want to hint into my psyche, that is what I would consider the ideal lifestyle. And if I were to buy a day and a night vision pro, I would never have to leave this alternate reality yeah. that I've constructed. I mean, that my- two-hour battery life is going to be a killer, though. <laughs> Well, I have to plug it in or somehow buy on a cart myself so that I'm charging it. You know, like the Matrix. We'll yeah. use my bioelectrical signals. There you go. Yeah. That is what I think is the best use case for this. And I'm pretty sure the email and YouTube comments are already being forged. So you're not getting one? I might. So th- this is the thing, right? The iPhone was pretty much a long shot. True. A $1,000 phone with no keyboard seemed ridiculous. And I look at this thing... My own. So as I go through the sessions, I'm increasingly disappointed in what I'm seeing. Oh, really? Yeah. It it's way, way too much. Blow up your iPad apps and possibly give yourself some sort of eye damage and not enough. Like my dear, sweet Microsoft, who I always lose money on. The HoloLens was legitimately an interesting idea. Right, they had enterprise and military applications they were trying to do. It made a ton of sense. The fact that the big demo for this was like, how many times has it mentioned we were chatting on Slack? If the, the drinking game, ML, intelligence, and photos. Like, I don't need... My son's great. Kids are great. I don't need that plastered in my eyeball for $3,000, right? Now, here's the flip side. Uh, and Because you get this vibe when you watch... I watched the video this morning of the dad. And if you reframe that scene with the dad looking at the photos as dad's divorced and he didn't get the kids and he misses his kids, then it hits a little bit different. And it hits that hits for me a little bit because there are times where I like to bring up the photos when I'm missing the kids and look at them. And it would be maybe too emotional, actually, to do any more immersed because it already hits pretty hard. Feels like a form of self-torture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and once again, Coda Radio becomes sad divorce dads. Radio. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I think it's, I think they like, remember when they introduced the Apple Watch? They really pushed, like, you could send your heartbeat to your loved one and kind of keep in touch with each other. And it's still creepy. Didn't really talk about fitness very much at all. I mean, they did. Well, but, remember when they hired the Burberry lady and, like, this is going to be your fashion yeah, statement? Right. Yeah. So they didn't really know where the watch would go. And um, they had some really expensive editions that were clearly going to be for limited sales. Um, I, according to Bloomberg, they tend to have pretty good sources, although it didn't have great sources on the Mac Pro. According to Bloomberg, Apple expects to sell 900,000 units in the first year. So less than a million. I think that kind of gives us some insight into their expectations a little bit. Criticisms aside. This is clearly a, you're buying this because you're either, you know, you're Marco, you're, you're Marco Arment, right? You're an Apple fanboy. 
you're speculating because in reality, and I hate to say it like this, but a $3,500 bet just isn't that much when you're, you know, not 19, right? Like, remember, I had to, like, someone had to give me an iPhone. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know that there couldn't be a market. I will say that if their demo is even 70% honest, uh, this is far better than the experiences I've had with the, I don't even remember the name of the HTC one, but the, uh, whatever that was, and the MetaQuest 2. Mm-hmm. I would possibly be willing to take a flyer to open up a new segment of development for me. The reason for that is there are just stupid returns to be made by entering on the ground floor, meaning you can charge astronomical sums of money. And these will be more expensive apps for this thing, no doubt. Well, these are, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I mean, I don't, I can't even do the pricing right now, but it, this is n- not a lot of, a lot of people are going to say they're doing this, but not a lot of people are going to actually do it. I mean, my first stupid app before Code Journal was a list of haunted houses in New Jersey that I, don't sue me, stole from a weird New Jersey magazine, right? And just like coded them up and they it looked like honestly. But just the fact that I had a app allowed me to sell to these, uh, yeah. It's even a bigger deal than when the iPad shipped because you could run the iPhone apps on the iPad zoomed up. But this is going to be... See, that's I, I'm worried about that, though. That's what I'm worried about. Well, that's what, this is where I'm going. This is going to initially be a bunch of zoomed up iPad apps. And so people that come in with an application designed for this environment, they're going to get featured by Apple if they check the right boxes. Uh, they're going to get sales. They're going to go on lists on blogs talking about apps for your headset. All the things that drive sales when when something's brand new, because there's going to be so many bland, zoomed up apps, and everybody's going to be hungry for something natively designed for that environment. And they all have money to burn because they have $3,500 goggles on their face. Well, and these are apps that you can actually sell for money, too. I, I, I do see your point there. I It's a super complicated device. Anybody that hasn't seen some of the videos... Like there is a lot of mechanics. It has automatic adjusting optics in there. So they have tiny little motors moving things. Uh, the, the eyes on the front of it that pass through your eyes is a little weird, but it's an interesting idea that nobody else has really been able to do because nobody else could afford to put basically a 3D screen on the front of their headset. Um, the digital avatar stuff for FaceTime is going to be something that will be interesting to watch. All of that is clearly indications that Apple has been making this for years, but there was a developer on Twitter that talked about how he spent five years of his life working on some of the stuff in this headset. And when you look back at that, I think I, it clicked for me when I saw Siri in the VR session. The round glowing orb makes total sense in a 3D environment. And I bet when Apple transitioned Siri on our devices to that orb, they were already planning for this device. Spatial audio, I would not be surprised if spatial audio came out of development for this device. And we've just had it, you know, in other devices now for years because they've had this thing cooking for five years, no doubt in an attempt to replace the rat tail because they don't, they didn't want to ship something with a two hour piece of crap battery hanging off of it. It's modular though. It snaps in, it's, it's mag safe and then it clicks in. And I would expect that by the time this thing's shipping, there's probably going to be like an anchor battery that offers double the battery life. There's already people that have announced replacement headsets and face cushions. So apparently that's going to be something Apple will open up. 
Yeah, I, I should uh, errata a little bit here too. So one of the ways you can do what they call scenes for this is Swift UI. It, it does seem like they're throwing both UI kit and Swift UI at the wall here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because we, I just the little background, right? I was super negative on this too. I mean, I think it's a dumb consumer product, but could there be enterprise use? Maybe. I mean, enterprises spend a ton on the Hololens. Uh, there was I forgot the car company, but there was that car company who bought them, and it was assisting their uh, manufacturing staff. So, it's certainly not going to be an iPhone moment. I don't think. Is it better than you expected? As somebody who was very skeptical that they would do it, and I, I think we don't know. The jury's not in if this was the right timing. But as somebody who was skeptical, did they did they do a better job than I guess your expectations? It's funny. Like normally with WWDC, I get all excited and I'm like, I'm going to spend a bunch of money porting things to iPad, right? This year, I would kind of threw, because we were chatting live, I kind of threw up on it. Now, as I get a little distance, I'm like, it's maybe not that bad. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I, I do, I do wonder if the economic climate is maybe a, not the best for this product. No kidding. I think the two things, I think the, their stock has been in a downward trend since the keynote and uh, Wall Street wants to hear AI and Apple intentionally did not even say artificial intelligence once in the entire keynote. They talked about ML, ML a million yeah. times. Well, to be honest, they were more technically accurate. They just didn't use the hype words. They just used the right words for what things were. They just used them a lot. But they didn't say artificial intelligence, and I think Wall Street is punishing them for that. And it's a $3,500 device when people can barely afford to put gas in their car, and they're making decisions if they can buy eggs or not this week. Seems like a tough time to sell a headset like that. Um, and Tim, you saw Tim Cook's, Tim Cook's interview on uh, Good Morning America or whatever it was, where they asked him about that $3,500 price, and he's like, well, we'll see. People are going to afford what they can afford. That's actually what he said. I mean, this is this is kind of, kind of my always my shtick, right? Selling to consumers is a is a dog's breakfast, at least these days, unless you're like a game company, right? But thirty five hundred dollars for in the enterprise space, if you have a really compelling productivity enhancing use case, not that much. Holy shit, am I talking myself into writing a Vision OS concept app? <laughs> I really am. Let me tell you why I actually think. It could be a good thing that's going to hit during a market crash. And I want to tell Wait, you... does it run Objective-C? Well, we'll find out. And I want <laughs> to tell you if I'm getting one. Tailscale.com slash coder. Head on over there to get a free personal account for up to 100 devices. And you can support the show while you are trying out a simple, secure network for a team of any scale, all built on WireGuard. Tailscale is the modern zero-config VPN that you can get up and running on your devices in minutes. And if you have an enterprise, it'll snap in with your authentication infrastructure, including two-factor authentication and overall team settings. They have access controls and auditing abilities. And TailScale is also perfect for individuals like me. I run a small business. I have some systems I need to connect to. Also great for developers who need to set up some ad hoc networking and want to do some testing amongst VPSs, VMs, desktops, mobile devices. It's so slick because the TailScale client can run 24-7. Because it's intelligent about the network traffic that it routes to your tailnet. That's what they call your tailscale set of computers. It only routes the traffic destined for your tailnet to those machines. 
So you can leave it on all the time. Your general internet traffic still going out to the internet and you always have that secure mesh, stable, reliable network. doesn't matter if you're behind carrier grade double NAT like I am sometimes at home. I use it on Starlink. I use it on cellular connections. I use it on regular old home internet connections. And then there's a bunch of nice tooling like Tailscale SSH, which allows you to establish SSH connections between your devices in your Tailscale network, authorized by your access controls. You don't have to manage SSH keys. And of course, those access controls are easy to use and understand. Lots of stuff in there too, like Tailscale Send, that lets you use airdrop type features between all of your devices. They have funnels so you can bring in some outside traffic now. And of course, they have lots of services that snap right in with Tailscale. I use it with Home Assistant as another example. There's a community plugin that just snaps it right in there. And now I can control my Home Assistant from the road, right from my phone, anywhere I am. There's so many ways you can use. And that's why I think it's just fantastic that they've now increased the free plan up to 100 devices. That's not a limited time trial. When you go to tailscale.com slash coder, you can sign up for Tailscale. You get it for free for up to 100 devices. You can really, really kick the tires now. You got five machines. It'll take you about three minutes to get them all set up. I love it. Game changing. No inbound ports on my firewall anymore. Go try it out and support the show. Tailscale.com slash coder. So first of all, I think selling it during a recession is going to be low volume sales. But my bet is with the supply chain, what it has been and with the absolute monstrous complexity of this thing, I don't think they could do high volume anyways. And I think if they did high volume, they would get it in the hands of a bunch of disappointed consumers as uh, instead they're going to get it in the hands of rich CEOs, tech geeks who uh, this is their hobby and this is what they choose to allocate money on and enthusiasts who like to try cutting edge platforms and maybe a gaming market. And if Apple's lucky, I think it's going to live and die on people also watching some porn on this thing and they won't want to admit it, but that's the reality. But if those don't knock it, it helped VHS kill beta. I mean, it has been involved in some seriously important technology transition. So I think it has a role here too. If those sectors are happy and are willing to buy into this thing for a little bit. I mean, I, I don't mean to get perverse for a moment, but uh, just conceptually, from a high level, this thing has a 3D camera that is built right into it. You could film the production with that, and then the viewer could watch the production with the headset, and it would be probably a premium product. I don't know. Um, there's probably going to be all kinds of videos like that, sports events, all kinds of things. So that's going to be an interesting market to see develop, and that will all take time, and a recession kind of just gives space for that to grow. And it won't be a big product. It won't be a hit. But then, you know, you iterate on this thing a couple of times. The reason why it's called Pro is because one day they're going to have a mini and one day they're going to have the air and they're going to have the, you know, the the consumer level versions. The one that's not stupidly expensive. And, you know, in five years or so, I think they probably will get it down to around below a thousand dollars, maybe even below eight hundred dollars. And then it's going to be a really compelling device. They may even eventually build in LTE, so carriers may start doing deals where you can get it for $300 with a plan or something like that, because you can imagine building LTE into this thing is going to be a priority. You know what? We talked about wanting to try to do like live virtual events with the Quest. I think we could viably do it with this. That's the thing. So the Quest showed me the virtual office thing really works for me. You got to remember... I live in a tiny home, a tiny space, sub 200 square feet, and I have three kids and a wife and a dog. And I travel as much as I can. And I have a very, very complex studio setup. 
in front of me right now, recording Coda Radio, I have one, two, three, four, five, six screens, plus the screens built into my mixer. And I have, or I've done it this way for years, is what I've oriented myself to. And so something that I can pop on my head and have five screens and go to a space that maybe has no screens is massively powerful because one of the pain in the ass things when I'm traveling in the RV is I have to set up and break down my computer setup every single time because you have to break it all down when we're going down the road or the kids need the space because it's bedtime or whatever it might be. And so I'm constantly taking my monitor out from underneath my bed, my big old stupid monitor, because I got a huge wide monitor since I can't have multiple screens, taking the machines out, taking the keyboard, and the mouse back out, setting up my mic and my stand and my mixer, wiring it all back up every single time, which introduces errors. And I go through the whole rigmarole of having to troubleshoot the entire setup because every time you reconnect everything in an audio world, there's some kind of issue. And if I could have all of that in a headset with an M2 CPU in it, that I could have no monitors that I set up, maybe a mouse, maybe a touchpad and a keyboard, and I put that thing on my face and I can do a show. Well, that's a slam dunk because if you think about what it would cost to have three or four monitors that are good high resolution monitors on a, on a, micro, on a monitor mount, it would be around $4,000. So it's not really that big of a, a jump to go to something like the Vision with an M2 CPU in it and connectivity. And just get a $3,500 headset that could do five or six monitors and have the entire working state in the machine, right? I can have my show dock up. I can have our remote call up. I can have the recording set. I can have the entire state in that one little headset. I have 200 square feet of space to work with for five people. I have to move my stuff around constantly. I, this would be life-changing for me to say nothing of being able to just set up and record anywhere in the world if I have a microphone and a headset. I mean, it's just, to me, seems perhaps like the biggest quality of life improvement for computing I could ever have in my living space. I, the price is crushing. If you were in the Apple ecosystem and I wanted to grab a couple of studio displays or, God forbid, the XDR, which costs more than this headset, then it's kind of a slam dunk. I, however, don't live in that world, so I have to really adjust to the price. But I probably have just about a year before I can even buy this thing. So I figure maybe I'll just try to save a little bit of money. And if I can, if I can save the cash by the time it's here, I'll order it or I'll order it when I have the cash. And I'm not going to put it on credit or anything like that if I do decide to get it. And I have time to think about it. I have time to see people's uh, you know, reviews and what kind of apps might get created. The early impressions from people that I trust in this category of device are really positive. They say the text is crisp. The screens do look good, which was the biggest complaint with the Quest is the text was just too blurry to actually live in that world. It nailed everything else. But for me, the kind of cherry on top is that when that somebody walks into your space, they kind of fade into your space and you can see them. And in, when you're in such a small space and people are moving all around you all the time, having the world completely blacked out from you, your lizard brain just can't take it. It just doesn't work. And I wasn't sure how to ever solve that problem with a headset, but it seems that this kind of pass-through system where you can dial in the immersion level would be perfect because I may leave the immersion completely turned off, have everything kind of pass-through, but still have my screens, which would just be huge for me. And I have to wonder, as somebody who seems to at times struggle with acute ADHD or ADD, if maybe that immersion mode would be really helpful uh, for me. 
it, it, it did kind of scratch that itch on the quest, but I just could never spend the time. It didn't feel right. It was heavy. It was warm. The screen wasn't great. It's a fantastic toy for the kids. It just wasn't a good work tool for me. And clearly this would be better in those areas. Initial reviews are already saying that, but man, that price point, man. Damn. I think I'm going to take a flyer on it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to start, I'm going to start saving up and think about it. Right. And then if yeah. I, if I want to pull the trigger, I can. The th- other thing is this $3,500 device that, will probably be outclassed in a year or two. Well, the, the opportunity is to get an early, right? I, like, I'm even thinking just for this, like the show, we could do really interesting content in, in the virtual world if there, we have some way to record it. So such that we could like simulcast it to, you know, the Jupes tube and YouTube and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, they didn't, the fact that they didn't strap this thing with like an A14, but they gave it a full on M2 with an R2 coprocessor for real-time stuff, so that load isn't on the SOC. That makes me think, like, you could do full screen cap. One of the interesting tricks they're doing in the environment to save on resources is because they know exactly what your eyeballs are doing, they only put a lot of the rendering power behind the window you're looking at. Everything looks good, but all the other, all the other stuff you're not looking at doesn't get the high amount of rendering that the stuff you're focused on and they can transition so quick. You don't notice, but that's one of the little tricks they've developed to save resources and to keep the thing running as cool as possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's the heat issue is, is something I hope they've really nailed down. The other thing on a developer perspective is I know they hate Epic games. You make yeah. someone real engine and Fortnite. But Unity is an interesting choice. Uh, Unity is uh, significantly less performant than Unreal. I mean, on the one hand, that it's certainly a quicker toolkit, an easier toolkit to work with. But I do worry about, you know, let, 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 let's not be too rosy here, right? Up to two hours of battery life. Um, yeah, that's watching movies. That's not playing games or doing a bunch right. of work. It's on your face. So heat is definitely something you're going to be concerned with. Yeah, although if, you know, if you take breaks, which you should, perhaps it's not as much of an issue. I mean, if the battery life wasn't fantastic on the Quest either, but I, I generally, by the time the battery was getting low, was ready for a break. Right, but when I'm on an epic Assassin's Creed bench, which I'm assuming because Ubisoft will port Assassin's Creed to your toaster, there's definitely going to be one for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you need like six hours to really explore every nook and cranny of like downtown Seattle. Or wherever the next assassin's yeah, Creed. I agree. Yeah. I thought I would imagine somebody will, if not Apple directly, will make an accessory that just plugs the thing into the wall. Yeah, there's going to be like a stupidly exp- no, it does plug into the wall already. Oh, okay, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. They said that in the in the announcement. Yeah. If I'm if I'm doing a show, for example, if I'm producing a show, it's got to be plugged in. I'm not doing battery stuff. So, uh, I will throw a few links in the show notes, including some of the new features that were covered that require an iPhone 12 or newer. Also, the iPhone 10 is being left behind in iOS 17, which uh, is a little sad. And also, there's a link in there about a new feature that you can turn on. Not sure if it's on by default or not, but Apple will now warn you, even, you know, for this is for adults, if you accidentally receive a nude or something that has adult content that you don't want to see. It's going to do on-machine image analysis and give you a warning before you see a peen or a V. Or maybe a booby. 
That's going to ruin a lot of my texting. I know, right? Well, you can turn it off if it's on by default, no doubt. <laughs> what what a weird thing to send my battery life to. Maybe if that's if it's a problem for you, maybe you need to get maybe you need to get new friends. You know, I, I don't know if I want my phone looking at that kind of stuff. To be honest with you, it is what it is, though. It's going to be. You do a- wonder. You do wonder, like what metadata gets captured. Mm, yeah. Uh, well, on. they got to do yeah. some analysis so that way they can make sure they're getting it accurate. After all. Uh. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. We got one of the largest boosts in the history of this show. Woo. It came in from BNS, BN, oh, well, Ben, 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 but it's BNSMCX for 1,084,280 sats. Hey! Amazing, amazing, Ben. He says, consider this is just thank you so much. Could take a second there. That's great. He says, consider this boost as an approximation of what I would have been willing to pay for Jupiter streaming service over the time I've been a regular listener. I endeavor to keep up with regular boost amounts in line with the, a monthly subscription. Uh, I also, he, this was across two boosts. This is my zip code where I live. And uh, I'm from, I was originally from the States where I've eaten a lot of good barbecue nationwide. I ate at Terry Black's in Austin for the first time. It was like seeing Mount Rainier after growing up in the Appalachians. They're both mountains, but they're barely the same thing. Yeah. Rainier's beautiful, but it, all within context. And uh, man, do I love me some uh, Terry Black's barbecue. So I looked up uh, the zip code, 84280, and it looks like it's, I don't know if this is right, because my, my Google Foo is not Wes's Google Foo, but it looks like it's in Thailand. If that is true, let us know. And that's incredible if you're listening from Thailand. I'd love to know a little bit what that's like. Uh, Flack M came in with 200,000 sats as well. All right, sir. I hoard that which your kind covet. Uh, and he's he's coming in with a hot tip. This is super, super useful. Uh, he says, I'd summarize the Russ keynote situation, the one we covered last week about a prominent member getting bumped out, as very busy people in the Rust project, not the Rust Foundation, rushed through some decisions and mishandled communications with themselves and the conference organizers. As a result, a very prolific speaker got hurt. In my opinion, there was just there was no bad faith. It was just human error. Um, he goes on to say, the governance in the Rust project isn't very obvious. There is current work to fix the situation. He links us to that. But as for the excessive drama, Rust is a somewhat popular technology that attracts a lot of enthusiastic people. We are very passionate about the future of the community on the project. Additionally, Rust is very young language. 1.0 was just eight years ago, but with unprecedented massive adoption. That situation lends itself to these kinds of problems. There's also the massive void still for Rust content, one filled by authors sometimes with questionable drive to fact check before posting hot takes to gain attention. Uh, And then he has an unofficial postmortem of the whole keynote fiasco linked to us by a popular Rust blogger, and I will put that in the show notes too for people who want more context. That Flack M is a extremely valuable boost, both in amount and in information and insight there. It totally makes sense. You would expect that, right? Something super popular like Rust, a lot of dynamics, a lot of moving parts, people trying to make decisions quick. Yeah, it's like a rocket ship of notoriety and buzz that a lot of, I would guess, ambitious people could just, you know. Ride, ride that wave. Ride up, <laughs> yeah, ride the wave. Yeah. I think that's it. 
Uh, all right, how about this one? JJ Jammer J comes in with 6,667 sats. Coming in hot with the boost. <laughs> Love you guys. Just wanted to show some meager appreciation. I'm a first time booster. I look forward to the show every week. Well, thank you for the first time boost. I know that initial journey can be a treacherous one. Once you have it all set up, though, it works quite good. And I really appreciate it when people take that extra effort. It means a lot. It's not just the boost amount or the message, but you, all, you also took that effort. We really appreciate it. Mere Mortals podcast comes in with, oh, look at this nice, handsome stack of sats. 5,555 sats. B-O-O-S-T. Thanks for coming on to the podcast, Chris. I had a blast. The sad thing is that you haven't and probably never will miss the boat on the Jar Jar Scammer coin. <laughs> It'd be nice if a new industry popped up and they all gravitated to that so that Bitcoin wouldn't be tainted by association. But there's always going to be gamblers and those who take advantage of them. Mere Mortals, this is why I'm happy to see the SEC going after uh, these crap coins and the casinos. Um, I don't really tend to wield the government as a weapon. That's not my call. I wouldn't have asked them to do this. You're not Sam Bakeman. Oh, wrong Sam. Sam Altman. Right. Jeez. Right. <laughs> Although Sam Bakeman free tried this a very similar thing. Well, it's thing. interesting how they weren't touching him. Isn't that interesting? Anyways, mm -hmm. uh, but I am happy to see it. Um, I'm sure if... Uh, Gary over at the SEC could go after Bitcoin. I'm sure he would try. <laughs> Misa has a problem with this boost. Oh, yeah? Jaja not scam. I told you, I destroy Republic. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Jar Jar you elected me. What is wrong? Or appointed me. What is wrong with you? Oh, well, the concern really is the Jar Jar coin that we're going to get rolling. I think that's where the uh, governance issue comes in. Is He's concerned about the pre-mine and how we own 20% of Jar Jar coin. You know what? We could have gone to... We could join Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, could be fine. We still might. Poor Elizabeth. You never Holmes. know. You, you just know. Yeah, there's always. <laughs> <laughs> Scott comes in with a row of ducks. Okay. Reporting back, he says, I didn't need a programmable keyboard and I was on a bit of a budget. So I got the Keychron C1 for $70. It has Gatoron brown switches that have great pop to them. And I feel so spoiled typing on it now because after just a few days of using my laptop keyboard, it feels painful in comparison. I got a hot swappable so I could do upgrades and repairs down the road. There was a bug I ran into where the function keys were broken on Linux, but after messing around the config files and doing a manual fix, it turns out the fix was published in Linux 519. And I was just running an outdated kernel. Thanks for helping me nerd out with this. Scott, thank you for the follow-up. And congratulations on uh, finding your keyboard home. That seems like a great value. 70 bucks for a nice clacky keyboard. I have one of those ah, right here, actually, in the studio. I have uh, not quite the same model, but it's got some decent travel on those keys. Yeah. So I like it, too. I, have a, I also have, of course, right here, the uh, launch, which is System 76. Ahanigan comes in with some 10,000 sats, just giving us some value. And Smart Growth came in with 5,000 sats, saying $50 a year is generally my max for a subscription. Just some feedback on some hesitancy for signing up, I assume, to the memberships he's talking about. Could we meet in the middle? 12 months, $12 a month is not out of my budget. Well, Smart Growth, you're such a frequent booster. You probably are covered. You know, we may do a sale one day, like a Save the Network sale or a holiday sale. We don't do them frequently, but keep an eye out. D.D. Smith comes in with 4,444 sats, and uh, he says, here's a bit more detail on what's going on in Crabland, and he sends us a link to uh, the blog post that we covered earlier. We'll have a link to that in the notes. And then another row of ducks to keep Mike Snark on the air. He loves uh -oh. Mike Snark. There you go. It's not Snark. It's just common sense, right? That's right. 
You know what grinds my gears? And then uh, Average Joe comes in with 9,000 sats. Wise friends, I've made the mistake of studying a Bachelor of Software Engineering. Have I made a mistake? Should I just be doing short courses? I can't decide between Linux and Mac uh, because I use them both for different reasons. If I'm not doing platform-specific development, such as gaming or apps, is it just purely a personal preference? You think he's wasting his time getting a Bachelor of Software Engineering? Not at all. Okay, good. That that makes it easy to get easier to get your first job. Uh, go ahead. In terms of the Linux for Mac thing, uh, it's up to you. What do you want to do? What do you feel most comfortable in? Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about what you're productive in. Yeah, and I think you got to stop worrying so much about the tooling and just worry about the doing. <laughs> That's what I always say. You know, yep. go stack some W's, average Joe, and thank you for boosting it. Thank you everybody who boosted. We're we're uh, when we have a long show. Uh, we have a cutoff of 2,000 sats, but we do read everyone's boosts, and we do save them in the doc. We had 11 total boosters this week, and uh, thanks to our ballers, we stacked 1,328,688 sats. Holy smokes. Thank you, everybody, very much. We really appreciate you supporting the Coda Radio program and the ongoing production. Of course, our members invest as well in the ongoing production, and for them, we make a ad-free version of the show available and the Coder the Report. If you'd like to support with your Fiat Fun coupons instead of boosting, CoderQA.co is the place to do it or support the whole network at Jupiter. Fiat Fun coupons. <laughs> well, perhaps we'll be doing the show from Apple's uh, FaceTime metaverse in the future, Mr. Dominic. But before then, is there anywhere you want to the send The Fediverse <laughs> owned it. Sorry. <laughs> but wait, would it be the Fediverse or would it be the Appleverse? I'm, I'm not sure. The Iverse. Oh, yeah, there you go. All right, oh, well, there it is. where should we send folks? Uh, Alice.dev and at Jumanuko on Twitter, although I have not been active because, I don't know. Social media? Just, because yeah, of social media. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of nice to not be using it that much, to be honest. I know, and now that Reddit is, which we'll talk about soon probably, is screwing third-party clients, I'm actually thinking maybe I'll take a Reddit break, too. And I feel like it's going to be a game-changer. I'm so glad they just keep messing up their businesses. It's much better for me. In the meantime, we'll, we'll be here keeping it straight. Keeping it honest, saying what we shouldn't. So go to coder.show slash subscribe to get every episode. Don't forget we're stacking your feedback because we're doing a double soon. So if you had something on your mind, send it in. We'd love to hear from you. And last but not least, share the friend with the show. Maybe they got some WWDC curiosity. This might be a good one to share. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time.